Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Turn in your Bible to Colossians 1. Today we are finishing a short little Christmas series in Colossians 1 called What Child Is This? Trying to think about who exactly was this baby that was born at Bethlehem. And we saw last week that he was the supreme ruler of all heaven and earth. The one who made all things and the one for whom all things were made. The one who is the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead. And so today we're going to look more specifically at why Jesus came, the the salvation that he came to offer for us. So Colossians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Read along with me. This is the word of God. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today, God. God, would you speak to us as we seek to see this beautiful truth of who Jesus is and why he came. Lord, we thank you to be gathered on this Christmas day to celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, would you speak to us today? God, would you help us to hope deeply in the salvation of Jesus and to find much joy in his name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was the worst Christmas ever. It was a few years ago, and after a beautiful Christmas morning, our family loaded up in the van, and we drove up to Louisville to celebrate with Jeannie's family there. We had all the presents, all the food, all the family Cousins, grandparents, everybody was there. We were super excited to be gathered together on Christmas. And then out of nowhere, it hit me. I was getting sick with the stomach bug. And so, of course, we had to come home. Our kids are crying because we're having to leave Nana and Pappy's house on Christmas. My wife is crying. The whole ride back from Louisville to Bowling Green, she's driving the van. My head is in a bag the whole way there. And really, it was the Christmas gift that just kept on giving, and I ended up in the emergency room on Christmas Day. It was the worst Christmas ever. You know, Christmas is supposed to be this wonderful, magical event that we celebrate. It's a day of hope and and peace and joy. And a lot of times, it is those things, and we can rejoice in that. But sometimes Christmas is a reminder of just how broken this world really is. Maybe Christmas is hard for you because of the loved ones that you've lost. Or maybe Christmas is hard because of your families that have been torn apart. Maybe it's hard because it reminds you of just how lonely and depressed you really are in life. Maybe Christmas is hard because you don't feel very hopeful or peaceful or joyful. You know, sometimes Christmas is a good reminder to us that we need a Savior, is it not? And the good news today is that that's exactly what Christmas is all about, a Savior. I mean, we need someone to save us from our sin, and we need someone to save us from the sorrows in this world. We need somebody to save us from the suffering that we face. We we even need someone to save us from ourselves. But friends, that's what Christmas is. Is all about. 
Isn't that what the angels told those shepherds the night Christ was born? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, we've come to God's Word again in Colossians 1, and we see that Christ came to be our Savior. Paul continues this beautiful hymn about Jesus. And in our verses today, he wants us to see just how amazing the salvation is in Christ. He wants us to see that Jesus came as the very fullness of God, that he came to reconcile all things to the Father, and that he made peace by the blood on the cross. You see, Jesus stepped out of heaven into this messed up and broken world, a world of sin and sorrow and suffering. And he came to bring us salvation. So my prayer for us today on this Christmas morning is that we might hope deeply in the salvation of Jesus and that we might rejoice greatly in our Savior. Notice first in our passage that Jesus came as the fullness of God. Look at verse 19. For in him, this is talking about Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What an incredible statement that is. In Jesus, everything that God is was pleased to dwell. See, Paul is affirming what Christians have believed throughout the centuries. Yes, this guy named Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem, but he's so much more than that. Paul says, all the fullness of God, not just some of the fullness, not just most of the fullness, all the fullness of God. Later in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul would say it again, for in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You see, the Bible doesn't teach us that Jesus was some sort of a half man, half God type thing. No, he's fully man and he's fully God. The ancient Nicene Creed says this about Jesus. He is the only son of God, eternally begotten of the father, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. That's who Jesus truly is. You know, it's Christmas time, and I don't know if you like to watch the History Channel or the Discovery Channel, but it never fails. They like to run shows about Jesus at this time of year. And it never fails. They always seek to give us the real Jesus, do they not? The Jesus who was just a man born in a normal family in a normal town in ancient Israel. You see, there's this popular myth that Christmas was just made up. All of this business about Jesus being God was just made up. Some say that the earliest Christians didn't even really think he was God. They just made that up centuries later. Do you know the problem with that? We're, we're looking at it right here. Colossians 1.19. Paul is writing about 30 years after the death of Jesus, and he could not be any clearer here. In Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You see, Christmas is not the celebration of how an ordinary man somehow later became God. It's the celebration about how God in heaven became man. The celebration that the eternal word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
The celebration that though he was in the form of God, he humbled himself and was born in the likeness of men. The celebration that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I mean, just think about that word fullness. Everything that God is, Jesus is. We have, all we have to do is look to Christ and we can see the very fullness of God. Just think about this. Jesus is the fullness of God who is high above us. He's the fullness of God's power, the fullness of God's wisdom, the fullness of God's holiness. Jesus is the fullness of God's righteousness, the fullness of his justice, the fullness of his glory. But Jesus is also the fullness of God here near to us. He is the fullness of God's grace, the fullness of God's kindness, the fullness of his mercy. Jesus is the fullness of God's patience, the fullness of God's faithfulness, the fullness of God's love. When we look at Jesus, we see the fullness of God. And listen, brothers and sisters, this is more than just a theology lecture. You might say, okay, great, Jesus is God. What does it matter? You see, Jesus is not just God, but he's God with us. Notice how Paul says, in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. To dwell where? With us. You see, just as the presence of God would dwell in the temple in ages past, now his presence dwells in Jesus. And in Jesus, God's presence is with us. You see, all of that grace is with us, even when we sin. All of that kindness is with us, even when we suffer. All of that mercy is with us, even when we doubt. All of that patience is with us when we struggle. All of that faithfulness is with us when we wander away. All of that love is with us when we are unlovely. And listen, Jesus is not just with us because he has to be. No one was in heaven twisting Jesus' arm, making him come down here. It was God's good pleasure for Christ to come and to dwell with us. Even in our struggles, even in our mess, in our sin, in our doubts, Jesus is here with us. And he's not going anywhere. So brothers and sisters, let's let's rest our souls in this truth today. Jesus is the fullness of God joyfully with us forever. So Christ came as the fullness of God. Number two, Jesus came to reconcile all things. So Paul continues to describe the work of Christ. And look at, again, at verse 20. He says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. You see, Paul is telling us there's a reason that Jesus came to the earth. There's a reason that the fullness of God left heaven and became human like us. So that he might reconcile all things to God. Notice the need for reconciliation. I mean, I think it's pretty common knowledge that this world is messed up, right? I don't know that I have to convince you. Everybody knows the world is a mess. 
I mean, there are so many millions of people around the world living in extreme poverty without access to clean water. There is never-ending wars being fought in Africa, in South America, Asia, in the Middle East. I mean, around the world, we see refugee crisis. We see a human trafficking crisis. We see human rights crisis, mental health crisis. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. The world is a mess. But how do we fix it? What's the solution? Is it better education? Better government programs? Better laws? Better humanitarian efforts around the world? Friends, the only hope for this messed up world is that someone might come and fix it. And he might fix the root of all of our problems. You see, all of these problems exist in the world because heaven and earth are in rebellion against God. The Bible tells the story of a good God who created all things and filled his creation with his love. Yet God's creatures in heaven and on the earth rebelled against him. God put humans on the earth to rule and they refused to obey his commands. So what did they do? They filled the earth with violence and every intention of their heart was on evil. God also created beings in the heavens to rule and they refused to do his will. And so they filled the earth with greed and lust, injustice and oppression. This world is a mess because we've all rebelled against our creator. And so the only way to fix it is to be reconciled to our creator. And notice in verse 20, who does the work of reconciliation? Paul says, through him, through Jesus, God is the one doing the reconciliation. This is the beauty of the gospel. While we were rebels, God moved towards us first. While we were lost in our sin and our unbelief, God came for us. Reconciliation is a gift that God gave us, and he gave it to us in Jesus. That's why Jesus came, to reconcile us to God. Listen to what Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And listen to this. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All of this is from God. God sent a Savior into the world, and He came to reconcile us to the Father. And so, brothers and sisters, you who are in Christ, you have been reconciled to God. What an amazing truth. You were an enemy of God, but now you're a friend. You were rebels, but now your sons and daughters of the king. You were lost sheep, but now you've been found. You were dead, but now you're alive. God has reconciled us to himself in Jesus, and nothing can change that. There's no condemnation for you in Jesus. Not then, not now, not ever. We're reconciled in Christ. Notice also that Paul says that Jesus came to reconcile not just us, but all things. 
things in heaven and things on earth. Now, this verse does not mean that every person will be saved and reconciled to God. They won't. It doesn't mean that God in the end won't judge his rebellious angels in heaven. He will. This is, you see, a statement of hope that one day Jesus will make all things new again. One day Jesus will right every wrong. He will heal every wound. He will wipe every tear. And in the end, everything in heaven and earth will be right again. As many have heard and as many have said, everything one day sad is going to come untrue. So brothers and sisters, let's rejoice today. Christ has reconciled us to God. And let's long for the day when Christ will come again and will finally make all things new. Because Christ came to reconcile all things. Lastly, number three, Jesus came to make peace by his blood. Listen again to verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, the peace that we need with God, with God it comes to us as a free gift. But it costs Jesus everything. In order for Jesus to make peace, he would have to bleed. And on the cross, he would have to die. Now, there's some people in the world who believed that the death of Jesus was just a sad ending to his life. Some people say this poor man got caught at the wrong place at the wrong time, and he ended up getting himself killed. We know better than that, don't we? Jesus came to save us by dying in our place. Jesus is the only person who was ever born for the purpose of them one day to die. You see, there is a straight line from the cradle all the way to the cross. Jesus was born so that he would die. It was God's plan before the world was even created, yes, that Jesus would be born, but also that one day Jesus would die. You see, Christmas can do nothing for us if there is no cross. Without the cross of Jesus, there is no salvation. But why? Think about this. Why exactly does he have to die to bring us peace, to save us? Well, when we look at the Old Testament, we see over and over again that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. God is holy and just. He can't just sweep our sins under the rug and say, no big deal. God will punish our sins. But God is also gracious. He's abounding in steadfast love. And he provided a substitute to die in the place of his people. A life for a life. And so for centuries, the people of God would shed the blood of bulls and goats and, and rams, but it would never be enough. We needed a human substitute, someone holy and pure, someone willing on their own terms to lay down their life to make the perfect sacrifice, a life for a life. We need a savior who would purchase peace with his own blood. The good news of the gospel is that God did for us what we 
could never do. God saved us in Jesus. We could never earn forgiveness, so Jesus paid for it on the cross. We could never cancel the record of sin that stood against us, so Jesus nailed it to the cross. We could never cleanse our hearts from the stain of sin, and so Jesus sprinkled us clean with his own blood. We could never make peace with God, so Jesus bought our peace with his own blood. Do you know the peace of God? Do you know peace with God today? Have you been forgiven by Jesus? Has he canceled the record of your sin? Has he made you be at peace with the Father? Our passage is clear today. There's only one way to be at peace with God. Listen, it's not being a good person. It's not being religious enough. It's not having family values or good morals. It's not showing up with your family to church on Christmas Day. The only way to be at peace with God is through the blood of Jesus. The good news is if you would repent of your sins today, if you would believe in Jesus, you could be saved today on Christmas. You could be forgiven. You could be cleansed. You can have peace with God. If that's you, if you've never been saved by Jesus, why won't you run to him today? Call upon his name. Come to Christ today and be saved. And you can join us in celebrating the peace that Jesus purchased with his own blood. Because the truth is, for those in Christ, we get to enjoy the blessings of this blood-bought peace forever. The prophet Isaiah looked forward to the day when the Messiah would come and the Prince of Peace would reign forever and ever. We read it earlier with the candles. Isaiah tells us that the government of earth and heaven will be on his shoulders and the peace that he brings will increase and it will never stop increasing. In Christ, the peace of God will reign over us every moment from now and throughout all of eternity. There will never be a time when God's peace is not ours. There will never be a day when God's peace is not ready to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, we will spend every single moment from now and all into eternity with Christ himself as our peace. Isn't that good news for people who desperately need some peace? We need peace in our families. We need peace in our marriages. We need peace in our churches. Peace in our city. Peace in our own hearts. Christ has purchased our peace with his own blood. And nothing can ever take that away from us. So brothers and sisters, let's hope forever in the peace that Christ purchased for us by his blood on the cross. And let's be thankful that we have his peace reigning over us now and forevermore. Because listen, it doesn't matter how bad things might get in this world. Nothing is changing the fact that Christ is our Savior. 
It doesn't matter if today is the best Christmas you've ever had or the worst Christmas you've ever had. Christ is still our Savior. You see, no suffering that we face in life could ever change that. No sin that we struggle with could ever change that. No doubts that we hide could ever change that. No trials that we endure could ever change that. Nothing will change the fact that centuries ago a Savior was born who was Christ the Lord. And that later in his life he he shed his blood on the cross so that he might save us. Christ is a Savior who is the fullness of God with us and for us. He is a Savior who has reconciled us to God and is coming one day to reconcile all things. He is a Savior who purchased our peace with his own precious blood. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is our Savior. So let's trust in him. Let's cling to him. Let's run to him. Let's rest in him. Let's hope in him. Let's abide in him. Let's honor him with our lives. Let's praise him with our lips. Let's treasure him with our hearts. Let's love Jesus. Let's serve Jesus. Let's adore Jesus. Let's find our everlasting joy in Jesus, our Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. Lord, we thank you that it reminds us that Christ is the fullness of God who left heaven and came for us. And that everything that you are for us, Christ is for us. And he's with us, pleased to dwell with us. Lord, thank you for that gift. We thank you that he reconciled us to you, God. Thank you for the fact that we are no longer strangers or enemies, but now we're friends. Now we are seated at your table as sons and daughters. Lord, thank you that Christ came to make peace by the blood of his cross. Lord, if anyone here today has not received salvation as a gift in Jesus, would today be the day of salvation, God? Would you draw them to yourselves, draw them to yourself, Lord, so that they might know salvation in Christ. And for those of us in him, may we rest in that peace that he purchased for us on the cross. What a gift. What a Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.